0: You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Alan Chewes is a book critic for NPR's All Things Considered, a writer and a novelist. His latest novel is To Catch the Lightning, and his newest book is a collection of travel essays titled A Trance After Breakfast. Thank you for joining me, Alan. My pleasure, Rick. Alan, you've chosen two books that go very well together. These are not books that are going to leap off the bookshelf to our readers and listeners. So um, tell us about these two books. They're both very
1: fascinating. Yeah, I mean, they're not... uh do readers want happy books? They better not choose either of these. Uh, it, to work uh, you know, with the, the one that's immediate here, it's a translation of uh, a novel by a post-war German writer named Hans Falada. It's called Every Man Dies Alone. Falada is not terribly well known, and uh, this is the first English translation. Of his novel uh, that came out in 1947, um, "Jeder stirbt für sich allein" — every man dies alone. And it's about uh, a couple called the Kungels who uh, who uh, established a kind of two-person, kind of a husband and wife, mom and pop resistance against the Nazis, uh, based on a true. Story uh, and and Falada did his research in the uh, Nazi archives and, and those are actually included uh, in an in appendix to this book of uh, um, of this so he based the novel on this actual couple who uh, Elise and Otto Humpel uh, who were uh, you know a working class couple living in Berlin with no history of any kind of politics uh, before. Uh, the wife, Elisa's brother, was killed earlier in the war, and the couple started a propaganda campaign against Hitler. They wrote hundreds and hundreds of postcards, uh, painstakingly composed these postcards, because neither of them were very well educated, and they would leave them in various buildings on window ledges and landings in public buildings all across. Berlin. And these postcards would say things like, uh, you know, Hitler is killing our children, you know, or Hitler is leading us into disaster. Uh, and, uh. He's so,
0: killed your chi- my child, he'll kill yours next. Right, yeah,
1: yeah. And it, it, this went on for, um, quite a while before they were caught. So, Falada, uh, based his novel, uh, on this couple. And, um, but he puts them in the context of uh, the uh, some of their, the, the the lives of some of their neighbors, some of whom are are petty thieves, some of whom are petty Nazi officials. Uh, they all live in this apartment building in Berlin, and and he also includes the uh, the police investigator and his staff, the Gestapo uh, investigators who are trying to track down the. The people who were uh, leaving, writing, and leaving these postcards. Um, so, because I mean, most of the people who found these cards immediately turned them into the Gestapo, because they're terrified. Um, I think at one point, uh, I think is it the Gestapo investigator who says ev- everybody in Berlin has something they're trying to hide. So you know, they were afraid if they were investigated, something else would turn up. <laughs> So they turned these cards into the Gestapo almost immediately. Very few of them made their way into uh, the hands of other people, which is what this couple had hoped to do, which is, you know, uh, pass along this card to other people and build this uh, mental resistance to, to Hitler. But they were captured and, uh, and in, you know, investigated and beheaded. Um, Tortured and, and executed, beheaded. Yes, although the wife in the novel uh, she she dies in an air raid, if uh, but the husband is is uh, executed by the Nazis. She dies while well, in custody when a bomb drops on the on the prison. She dies in her cell. So uh, hey, it's not the makings of a musical. Um, <laughs> I but guess it, not. It gives. Tremendous insight into the everyday lives of Berliners under the Nazi regime, um, and it kind of you know it, it, it places uh, movies like uh, you know v- was it Valkyrie right the, the Tom Cruise Resistance uh, movie uh, in in a kind of perspective. I mean, those were all aristocratic, uh, mostly Prussian officers who. Tried to rebel against Hitler, but these are ordinary people who, um, you know, would be crushed under under the heel of any government they were living under, and they chose to stand up and defy Hitler, which is just absolutely extraordinary. Um, and there, you know, that's the engine that drives the novel. I mean, there are these other characters are are interesting, but not as fascinating as the Klungsels.
0: Well, it's an, it's a novel in which. Um. The plot points are uh, uh, changes of uh, people's consciences when people's consciences force them to do things. And and even uh, Esserik, the the Gestapo inspector. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he he's forced into to doing this. He knows his own life is at stake if he doesn't find right. these people who are doing this.
1: Right. And at at a certain point, uh, his Gestapo. Uh uh, bosses decide he's not doing enough and throw him into prison and then he's and he's replaced by a kind of by the numbers guy if you recall who um, makes some terrible blunders he has the Quangles in custody and lets them go because they don't fit the the profile that he had decided was the profile of the of the of the guilty parties and so then he's thrown into prison and 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 the, his boss is pulled out of prison and put in charge of the investigation again. But we, we won't say what he does before the investigation is over, but he, he does take a uh, an heroic way out, no doubt about it.
0: Well, I think what's interesting about this novel is how it really cleaves to um, <clears throat> the idea of people who who you know? We all exist in our culture, and, and how even any kind of uh, resistance against that culture is involves a, a, a decision of conscience. And, and I yeah. think it's really relevant right now. I mean, the people who stood up against the Iraq War are going to feel a lot of uh, sympathy with uh, Otto and Elise. Yes.
1: Well, and you know, anybody who who uh, wants to know that the truth will somehow get out will feel sympathy for them. Uh, but as, as I say, going back to you know to the, the Hitler context, I mean these, I mean the, the pressure of living in Hitler Germany is so you know excruciatingly uh, more powerful than anything we've ever lived under uh, that these people stood up and went about their daily lives uh, and and resisted the regime. It's just starting this anti. Anti-Nazi propaganda the campaign is just absolutely extraordinary, and and the picture that, that the book, the entire book gives of life under the Nazis is is quite. I think it's unique. I don't think I've read anything quite like this novel that gives you the everyday life of people of um, uh, ordinary people, you know, working class, lower middle class people living under Nazism in Berlin, in the heart of you know the Nazi lair. Um, so the book is historically quite interesting, I think, too. Um, and um, only only um, um, a drug addict more like Falada could have written it, I think. Yeah, no. He felt estranged from society, I guess, because of his addiction and his various other miseries. Well, so that-
0: When he was, uh, near the end of his life, when he was writing the book before he wrote, uh, Every Man Dies Alone, a book, uh, a semi-autographical book called The Drinker, he was in a Nazi asylum and he was still addicted to morphine and he had to write the book in secret in a kind of code because he knew that he could have been killed himself Mm -hmm. had they found out how raw and frank a picture of Nazi society he was
1: giving. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, this is uh, quite quite an interesting book, and I think anybody interested in the history of the period will will want to read it. And it's also uh, you know unique in its insight into life under you know in Nazi Germany. Uh, all the romantic trappings of those resistance movies aside, um, and, but it has you know it has an antecedent uh, in what. May be a truly great novel, uh, Herman Broch's, Broch's novel *The Sleepwalkers*, uh, which uh, focuses on life uh, just before World War One in Germany, mm-hmm. and uh, it's in three volumes and it cuts across, all, you know, cuts through uh, all of German society from working class all the way up through uh, Prussian aristocracy, mm-hmm. and and I I find you know that Falada. Must have known this book because he, you know, he he works his characters in much the same way that Brock works his characters. There's a he tries to get inside them uh, and portray them in 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 larger social context and give uh, you know this broad swath of society um, in a way that you know American writers just don't do anymore. You know, most American novels just focus on narrow group of characters their personal problems however heroical their personal problem you know they may be in fighting their personal obstacles and overcoming their personal obstacles but there's no very I, I can't think of many novels that give this broad uh, picture of society of American society the way uh, you get of German society and the sleepwalkers and and the, the title itself suggests that uh, Brock sees all of these people just on the verge of World War I, as if you know they are kind of living in a dream or walking, the walking uh, sleepers, they don't know what their fate is, you know, what they're moving toward. they're just taking things day by day, uh, living uh, lives of basically, you know living out their appetites, and uh, even even those who have ideas. Know that ideas mean much, Um, but it's an amazing novel and 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 one of the great experiments in European literature of of the time because uh, the uh, you know he 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 moves from a realistic novel basically a naturalistic novel in the first volume through uh, by the end so by the end he's experimenting with with uh, prose he's interpolating large Watches of philosophy into into the narrative, and uh, it's it's extraordinary to, to uh, watch the book unfold. Um, so I see Falada in that in that tradition.
0: There's a, a long portion um, <clears throat> where we have <clears throat> kind of a, a ballad that seems seemingly unrelated. It's the love of a Salvation Army girl in Berlin, oh, right? And, and this. Jew doomed by their differences in religion and we later come to realize that the narrator of that ballad is the author of this long philosophical track called right. this disintegration of values right. that's been integrated into the yeah. um narrative it's a it's a very sophisticated piece of, of fiction yeah. in terms of experimentalism
1: it is and and it's um it, it, you know i think it's something anybody interested in the european novel should read if they haven't read it already. Um, So we've got two books here that are uh, extraordinary in their broad uh, and and insightful depiction of European consciousness and and the mores and culture from uh, the beginning of the 20th century on through the, the end of the Nazi regime. That's a lot.
0: Yeah, two novels that are over 60 years old. Boy, they could both be on uh, Social Security right now. <laughs> <laughs> but they're, they're still vibrant, relevant, and well worth reading.
1: Absolutely. Ruin your summer. Read both of them.
0: <laughs> I've been speaking with Alan Chuse with good advice how to darken your summer. His new, newest book is A Trance After Breakfast. It's a collection of travel essays, and his newest novel is To Catch the Lightning. Thank you for joining me,
1: Alan. My pleasure, Rick.